All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a speaking into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. in this uh, series, uh, 29 Days of Prayer, and uh, we are uh, really kind of taking a look at, uh, as an example, the biblical example of what it meant to have a prayer meeting, uh, and, and what were some of the components of prayer that we see in Scripture that we can apply to our, our lives. And so in week one, we talked about uh, that every prayer meeting in Scripture uh, was marked by three things, the presence of God, the power of God, uh, and the edification of believers coming together and praying with one another. In week two, we talked about the importance of prayer and praying with each other. Uh, last week, we talked about two characteristics of prayer, uh, to know God, first and foremost, uh, and then to work with God. We also talked a little bit about the perseverance of our prayer, that sometimes we recognize that it is important for us to continue on praying and to persevere in our prayer life. And today I want us to focus on one of the characteristics uh, that we talked about last week, and that is to know God. That every one of our prayers, that when we come into the presence of God and we enter into prayer, it ought to be with the understanding that it is God first and foremost. That we prioritize Him to know who He is before we ever go into anything uh, of requests. Uh, the truth is, is at the end of the day, he's not answering, uh, he's not basing his answers to our prayers on us. He's, he's answering prayers based upon him and his character and his nature. That prayer, first and foremost, starts with the focus being on God. And so the names of God become really, really important to us in prayer. And if we don't know the names of God, if we don't understand the names of God, then we will drastically miss out on an opportunity to put God first and to know Him. Jesus, when He's talking to the disciples, He, uh, he says to the disciples, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And He begins, our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Right? That's how it starts, right? No, it's not how it starts. It says, our Father who art in heaven, deliver us from evil. No, it doesn't even start that way either. Some of you are like, you've got the Lord's Prayer memorized. Well done, everybody. <laughs> no, it says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be what? Your name. Or thy name if you're from England. Like, your, your name. Hallowed be your name. Name. There's something of authority and power that when we come to God in prayer, we come first and foremost in reverence of the name of God. We carry with us this badge that essentially says, Dad says so. 
We've used this as an example before, but uh, my youngest, Marley, she's 10 years old. If, uh, if we're getting ready for dinner or we have something going on, I'll tell Marley to go tell my two older kids to come downstairs. And she'll go and she'll tell them, come downstairs, and they'll say no. And so then she comes down and says they're not coming. And then I say, go tell them that dad said to come downstairs. She comes running back downstairs. They're on their way. There's, there's something of authority when dad says so. And when we come to prayer, when we say, hallowed be your name, when we come to prayer recognizing the names of God, there's something that says, Dad says so. Our Heavenly Father says so. What you may not know is that there are eight covenant names of God. And all qualities of God are shoved into one of my favorite passages of Scripture of all times. It's one that's very familiar to all of us. It's one that has become even more of a favorite because I had the opportunity to go to Israel and see where this would have been written. And so it's got this imagery in my mind of of what David was writing, the psalmist was writing when he wrote this. And so it starts in Psalm 23, 1 through 6. Actually, before we jump into that, I didn't actually put this uh, up on the screen for you guys, but I do want to give you this scripture as well, because Paul talks about this. Paul talks about the name being powerful and having there being power in the name of God and in the name of Jesus. We sing a song, there's power in the name of Jesus. We sing songs that say, oh, what a beautiful name it is. And Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Jesus was given a name above all names. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That at the name of Jesus, every demon must flee. There's power in the name. And we see the names of God jammed into Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I probably don't even really need to read it. I memorized this as a kid uh, growing up in Christian school. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may not see all eight qualities, but they're there. And What we're about to do is go through all of the qualities of God, all of the names of God, all eight names of God referenced here. And my hope is that you'll be able to, if you can, take some notes and use this as a tool that when you come to God in prayer, it could be as quick as 20 seconds, right? It could be as quick as just running through the names, or you may find yourself spending 20 minutes Reflecting on the names and characteristics of God. So first, let's start with the Lord is my shepherd. You are my shepherd. 
The, the covenant name for that is Jehovah Ra, if you one who likes to go a little bit deeper into theology and biblical language. It's Jehovah Ra, which means you are my pastor. I have a pastor in my life who speaks into my life. I have multiple pastors who speak into my life. But God is ultimately our pastor. And can I just say for a second, we need that in our life. We need people who are, who are caring for us and watching over us and making sure that, that, that you're safe and healthy, checking you for ticks. Right? That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd checks his sheep. I don't know if they check for ticks, but they probably do. They're, they're checking for blemishes. They're checking to make sure that the sheep are healthy. We need people in our life who will care for us in such a way that they would pastor us, that they would be our shepherd. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Can we just stop for a second and say, God, thank you for being my pastor. Thank you for being a God that, that isn't distant and off in some universe, but, but is our pastor who loves us and cares for us. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The covenant name for this is Jehovah Jireh. He supplies all that I need. God, you are my, my provider. You are my provider. Our, our tendency in life is to be our own provider, isn't it? We, we go through life and, and we, we say, I can do this. I, I'm, uh, I'm from Texas. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, which I, I, just, I have a pair of boots and they didn't have any straps on it. So I don't really understand the saying. Somebody will have to explain that to me. Uh, we, we are... We, we, often go through this life believing that we are our own provider. And can I just encourage you this morning with this? Stop it. Don't do it. Don't go through life looking at, at how you can accomplish more, how you can provide for yourself. You don't want to trust in riches. You want to trust in Him and your provider who richly provides for you. See, when we become our own providers, then we make it about our job. We make it about a career or about our accomplishments. And, and that becomes our focus. And we lose focus and we lose sight of the one who is our provider. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The psalmist goes on, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I love that language there that he makes me to lie down in green pastures because if you won't lie down, guess what? He'll make you lie down. If you're going through this life and you're so busy in this world and in this life, there will be a lying down that takes place. We are wired that way. You are my peace. You are my peace. He doesn't have peace. He is peace. It's who he is. It's Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. 
There are a lot of us who are under an enormous amount of stress. I know this because I read the card all the time. We're under stress because of work, because of money, because of relationships and family. We're under stress because of health issues going on. But a lot of our stress isn't always outward, uh, a result of an outward thing. Sometimes, oftentimes, we create our own stress. We, we cause stress in our lives because the reality is, is that there are many of us who are doing way too much. We just are. And you say, well, I can do it. Yes, but everything that is doable is not necessarily sustainable. So you can do a lot of things, but it's going to wear you out. It's going to rob you of your peace. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, better is, one handful, uh, better is one handful and have tranquility and peace than to have two handfuls and toil and chasing after the wind. Some of us have two handfuls of life, and it's taking our peace. It's better to do less and have some tranquility in our life. It's better to do less. Yes, your kids may not be able to go to every single sporting event that God ever created in this world. They might not be able to participate in every program and everything. You may not be able to do everything. It may just be better to have some peace in your life. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. We talked about this yesterday at our prayer time. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives it. And can we all just say amen for that? Because the world's peace is awful. It's, it's no peace at all. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We need to know that when we come to God in prayer, it's good to just pause for a moment, to be quiet before the Lord, to still our hearts and say, God, you are my peace. He goes on, he restores my soul. He restores my soul as he returns to the point of origin. Isn't it great that we have this God who wants to take everything that the enemy has stolen from us and bring us back to our original point of origin? He is our healer. You are my healer. And I'm not just, as I said earlier, talking about physical healing. Listen, everybody, I've got an announcement to make today. Our great physician, our healing God has not closed up shop. He still heals today. He does. But I do think that there's actually even more healing beyond physical healing because at the end of the day, this body, as good-looking as it may be, is going to die someday. You didn't have to laugh. It wasn't a joke. Like, No, listen, this body is corrupted. It's going to die. 
But there's something even deeper, something greater of healing that can take place, that we are spirit beings, that we have a soul. We have a soul that needs to be healed. He is Jehovah Rapha, which literally means he returns me back from the point of departure. See, I have a soul that if my soul is sick, is way worse than if my body is sick. He is Jehovah Rapha. 1 Peter 2 says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. But by His wounds, we are healed. And once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now we have turned to your shepherd, the guardians of your souls. We've returned back. We got lost for a little while, but God brought us back to the point of origin. He brought us back to what he originally intended us to live our lives. He leads me in the paths of righteousness For his name's sake. You are my righteousness. See, righteousness has a path. There's a right way to go. There's a wrong way to go. And we are reminded that God is our righteousness. Not only have you made, not only has he made us right through the blood of Jesus, The reality is is that all of our sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. That should be good news. That, That we have a God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, and through the shedding of His blood, the ultimate sacrifice, our sins have been paid. That we have been made righteous before Him. He helps us go through a path of righteousness. This one is a little bit uh, interesting. It's Jehovah uh, Sidkenu. Thank you, Greek scholar. Sidkenu. Actually, that's probably Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew scholar. Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu. If you lived your life in the righteous way, because here's the thing is, oftentimes we hear this language. We hear righteousness. We hear right living. And we can at times think, yeah, but that's a boring way to live your life. And I would just encourage you this morning that when we live our life in the righteous way that God intended for us to live our life, our lives will be so much better for it. First Peter 1 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. We can live in righteousness. Will we be perfect? No, we'll never be perfect. But we can begin to pursue righteousness in everything we do. We can be holy in all we do. The psalmist goes on, Yea, though I walk, yea, Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm using the New King James Version as opposed to the Old King James Version, which would say something even more 
King James-ish. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, for you are with me. This is one where I'm not going to give you the word that it actually is, but I'm just going to tell you what it is. His name is there. So what do you mean? Well, where is he? He's there. He, he is there. He's not there. He's there. That's his name, there. That's the, the best way to say it is that, God, you are my constant companion in this life. If I go to a funeral home, you are there. If I go to the hospital, you're there. If I go to work, you're there. Listen, even when you go on vacation, he's there. So just think about that next time you go to Vegas on vacation. He's there. He's there. Jehovah Shema, he is always by your side. There is no place that you can go that he's not there. There's some of you that need to hear that this, this morning, that, that I want you to go to bed tonight and in the midst of past being alone and isolation, that he is there. He's there to comfort you. He's your constant companion. He's there. Hebrews 13, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, oh man, the Lord, he's my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me because I've got God? It goes on, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love the picture of this, right? That, uh, that God is going before us in battle, into the spiritual battle that we face. And he's like, you know what? I got this. Have a seat. Have some food. Have a steak. Just eat. Take your time. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to deal with this. That's the picture that we're given here, that we have a God, Jehovah Nisi, who is, you are my defender. Meaning, he is my banner of victory. That he's got a banner that says, I've already won. I'm just going to go before you and just let everybody know that the, the, the battle's over before it's even begun. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He goes on, You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This means that he gives you, me and you a supernatural ability. That I have more that I need. And honestly, I needed every bit of it today. That, that I have a God who I get to, listen, I, I know this is going to sound a little uh, braggy, but I'm anointed. I am. I'm anointed. I'm anointed to be here. I'm anointed to do this. I'm anointed anointed, and not just, it's not just like I'm, I'm partially anointed. I'm so anointed that I have more than enough. That sounds bad, right? 
I think we should all walk around today, everybody we meet, and just say, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm anointed. And then I won't feel so bad about bragging about it myself. But the truth is, is you are anointed. You are. You're anointed. You have the anointing of God on your life. And here's the thing is you have more than you need. And if you're not giving away the anointing that God has placed on your life, then you're just being selfish. That was harsh, right? That, let me say that differently. If you don't give the anointing and the calling that God has on your life to someone else, then you're just being selfish. Was that nicer? A little bit? Toned it down? God, you are my, my sanctifier. Jehovah Mekadesh. It means that God has set me apart for something special. He has called you into something, that there is something that you are called to. See, what often happens is we go through this life believing that only the professional church people are called. But the reality is, is we are all called into something. That you have an anointing on your life. That your cup runs over and it makes a difference every time you step into it. We have to realize that. We have to realize that we are, as First Peter says, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What an amazing picture that you get to go and you get to share with people out of the anointing that God has placed on your life. How he shined light in the midst of your darkness. See, we are the reason why he pours out His Spirit upon people. We are anointed. Hebrews 13, and I didn't give this to the guys in the back, but may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may He equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He Work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Finally, God answers our prayer based on who He is, not on who we are. We just take some time. We've got a short message today. We want to just take some time and focus on God today. Focus on Him. Focus on who He is. Because first and foremost, when we come to our God in prayer, we come to Him recognizing the power of His name. Understanding the names of God and how it applies to our life. Can we just take a moment and pray?